with this same sweet aroma atmosphere, I present to you our very own Prophet Mike. somebody believe that our hearts are filled with your praise the fruit of my lips is filled with your praise I know I don't like where I'm at right now God but I'm filled with your praise it's a little uncomfortable right here God but I'm filled with your praise while I was getting ready this morning the Lord kept asking a question do you believe me he said I dare you to ask your brothers and sisters do you believe me I know it's a little tight right now, but do you believe me? It don't feel like I imagined that it would feel, but do you believe me, says the Lord? Can you trust me when you can't see it? Can you trust me when you don't feel it? Is the oil of joy of gladness there when the storms are there too? Do you believe me? That's not a question for me to answer. That's a question for y'all to answer. But if you believe him, there's a praise on the back of it. If you can believe and trust in God, there's a praise on the back of it. There's a little excitement when I know I can trust the Lord. You see, when I know ADP going to drop my check on Thursday, I get a little excited because I trust ADP to give me my money. If I trust ADP, how much more do I trust the Lord, our God? Every Thursday they pay me, but every day God wakes me up. God gives me a little bit more. He gives me a little more grace, a little more mercy, a little more room, a little more time. I'm not perfect, but you, you give me a little more room, God. I have an expectation of you, God. Not that I deserve anything, but you give me everything. I have an expectation, God. Y'all come on, because praise and worship made me feel like I wanted to preach this morning. I, I told you I was raised in an old church, so first Sunday usually get to my heartstrings. 
They said, I, all I kept hearing this morning is I feel like pressing on. I feel like going a little bit longer. I feel like pressing a little bit harder. Y'all got to know that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Bible says that God delivers them from them all. Many are my afflictions, God. Many are my issues, God. But you deliver me from them all. He didn't say I wouldn't go through nothing, but he said he'd be there at the end of it. That after you've suffered a little while, after you've gone through it a little while, after you've made your way to my feet just for a little while, I'll strengthen you and I'll support you and I'll be there for you just for a little while. Does anybody want to hold on just for a little while longer? Just for a little while longer, I'm going to hold on, God. I'm going to trust you, God. Just for a little while longer, God. I'm going to give what I have left, and I'm going to put my trust in you, God. Just a little while longer. Come on. Because the Lord told me this morning, there's an assignment for deliverance for this house. He says, I'm coming to sweep through the house. I'm not going to allow you to be heavy burdened all the time. He says, come unto me, those that are heavy burdened, and I shall give you rest. We always think rest means I'm going to go lay down and sleep. Rest means peace. It means things are settled. Things are handled. Things are dealt with. Doors are open. Ways are made. Crooked, straight. That's what rest means. He said, there's an assignment for deliverance. I believe God. Come on, there's somebody who needs assistance in the crowd. You're pulling on me. There's somebody needs that needs a little help just to trust God a little while longer. I know the bank account's not reflecting the promises right now, but just a little while longer. I know that your hope may have been deferred in seasons past, but the Bible says a dream come true becomes a tree of life. Just a little while longer. It's not going to look like this always. It's not going to feel like this always. I dare you. Find the tenacity. I dare you to hold on a little bit longer. To endure just a little bit longer. Your season, your season is on the horizon just a little while longer. If you fix your eyes on the hill, your season is right there. Your deliverance is right on the cross. You're looking at it just a little while longer. Just discerning the levity of God, that he's, he's making the way light now. He's making the way secure. When you trust in God, I don't have a concern about tomorrow. I'm always reminded about the scripture in Matthews where it talks about the birds don't worry about where they're going to lay their nest and the lilies aren't really concerned about what's going to happen the next day. If the birds have figured out our God, what are we to do? I trust you enough, I don't have a concern. Because if you're the God that I say I trust, you're not going to let me gnash my foot on a stone. You're not going to let me go without. The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I don't have to beg for nothing. I don't have to, the Bible already told us, I've already got everything I need. He supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Somebody's going to get delivered today. 
Somebody's going to walk out here a little bit lighter today. You came in here with your mind concerned on Monday through Friday, but God has showed up to be the deliverer on today. Come on, I hear chains falling. We don't have to rush into the notes when God is opening up a window for his glory to be produced. Somebody's walking out of here new on today. If any man be in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away and all things have become new. I dare you prophesy to yourself that newness, that new creature, that new season, that new job, that new revenue. I declare that you would open up your mouth and speak unto yourself. I'm looking at my new. That's right. I'm glad somebody's going to get their blessing. I'm looking at my new. I'm embracing. I'm receiving. I'm expecting my new. That's all it really took. Just to be in agreement. It only really took being in agreement. We're going to get to the word, but God loves you. Look to your left and your right. Don't touch nobody. Just tell them God loves you. And he loves you enough to do what he said he was going to do. Put your hands together. Come on. Give God some praise. It's a beautiful day. David said, this is the day. David said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, it sounds like some Davidic worshipers in here. David said, this is the day. This is the day. Not tomorrow, not next week. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. David wasn't thinking about tomorrow. David said, this is the day, the moment I'm standing in. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice. I shall rejoice and be glad. This is the day. Come on, we're already prophesying. This is the day. I'm going to see my deliverance today. I'm going to see my healing today. My mind is going to get right today. Declaring this atmosphere today. This is the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like the redeemed. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. I guess y'all answered the question this morning, huh? You believe him? Yeah. That's what it looks like. That's what victory feels like. Yeah. Come on, it's already sweeping through the room. That's what victory feels like. Hold on, minstrels. Don't, don't, don't help them yet. That's what victory sounds like. Come on, continue to bless the Lord. Their anointing is real. Their anointing works. Bless the Lord your God. Yeah. This is the day. If you can't say anything else, proclaim that. This is the day. Come on, Edna. I need you to say it. This is the day. Come on. We're about to see God totally new. God is going to open up our eyes to perceive him differently. And this is the day. Hallelujah. Y'all can have your seats. If you can, you can have your seats. There's nothing like being in a room with a bunch of like-minded believers. Because when I was a kid, I would play with matches, right? And if you light one match and you put it too close to another match, 
you didn't have to strike the second one because the second was lit from the first one. So when you're in a room with a bunch of like-minded believers, keyword, it shouldn't take too long for there'll be a kindling of a fire. It only takes one person on the road to start some mess. Oh, okay. 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 Because it only takes one on a road to start some stuff. It only takes one redeemed to kick up some praise. It really only takes one person that God has showed up for to inspire some stuff. It don't really take, didn't the Bible only say two or three? That's a real small number. It don't take a lot on a row for God to show up and show up. We got one on a row. It don't take too long for God to do what he got to do. One on a row that believes. And we got two on a row that believes. It don't take that. We got three on a row that believes. It don't really take too long. Hey, he's worthy of it, isn't he? He's worthy of it, isn't he? Come on, we got more on a row. We got another one on a row. It don't take too long. Come on, Rashad. You're already on your row, Rashad. Hey, Joel, you're on the road behind him. It don't take too much. Yeah, God. Come on, Tara. You're already on your road. Hey, Tara. Hey, hey, Tara, if you look to your left, Tara, your lineage is on your road. If anybody's going to praise for them or show them how, mama, I dare you praise God for your sons. Praise God for their blessings. Praise God for their destinies. Praise God for their promises. All right, y'all gonna keep pushing. It don't take much. Hey, Johan, if you could just clap your hands, that's all it really takes, bro. That's all it really takes, bro. It's going to catch up on its own. Sister Carol is going to catch up on its own. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. Y'all sound real happy over here. Yes, God. Ain't nothing like seeing the joy of the Lord on his children. Anya, go ahead and put your Bible down, Anya. We got time. We got time. Anya, go ahead and put your Bible down. We got time. Give God all that glory. That's right. It's already starting up. The redeemed of the Lord are already starting it up. It don't take too long. Hey, Kobe, help out that row. Help out that row, Kobe. Just like that.
listen to this. I just told Prophet Latanya. I told Prophet Latanya, my feet don't work like that, so you might have to help me. Anybody else want to help me praise God? I can't pick them up and put them down like that, but I can sure say it out of my mouth how much I love Jesus. Can you help me? Thank you. I appreciate you. Can somebody help her help me? God is worthy of praise. God is worthy of praise. He's worthy of worship. See, I can't, I can't just jump out of a worship moment that's that quick. I don't, I don't believe in jumping out of worship. I, listen, I tried one time and I broke my shoe. That's how I know to ask for help. No man is an island unto himself. I know how to ask for help. God said, use wisdom. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him one good Baptist tap with the left leg and one good Baptist tap with the right leg. That's where we at. If my daughter was here, she'd be happy to help me. You're already looking at me, Kobe. You might as well help me. Amen. All right. Oh, y'all not done yet. Oh, okay. Well, go all ahead. Take, do what you got to do. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. That's right, Dr. Boland. starters in here. Yeah, God. Look like a lot of kindling wood in here. Yeah, God. Uh-huh. Bless you, God. Hey, we bless you, God. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Johan, I see you getting excited, Johan. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. Hey, Marcus, help him out, Marcus. Hey, Joel, help Johan for me. Come help Johan for me. Help Johan praise God real quick. Johan. Help him praise God. Right there. Help him. That's right. Go ahead, Johan. Give him glory, Johan. Yay! Yeah, God. 
I guess my wife got our house. Go ahead, babe. Thank you. Hallelujah, God. Yeah, God. of fire starters. Go ahead, Prudence. Bunch of fire starters. Yeah, God. Hallelujah, God. Come on, Tasha. Bless him for that next move, Tasha. Yes, God. Oh, y'all playing, playing, huh? Yeah, God. Yeah, God. That's right, Marcus. Hey, yeah, God. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, God. That's right, Marcus. That's right, Marcus. Yeah, God. when you serve a true and living God. It be like that when God has been good to you. Oh, y'all looking real renewed in here. Y'all looking real joyful in here. Hallelujah. We already tried it once. Let's try it again. Y'all go and take your seats. But as should you at any time feel you need to praise, go on and do what you feel you need to do. Bless the name of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 God. We had men praising God this morning. We had men not ashamed to get David silly for praise this morning. Yeah, God. That was all the encouragement I need on this week when I seen my brothers praising the Lord. Ain't nothing like watching men praise their God. Bless the name of King Jesus. Uh, Y'all feel that? Yes, God. That's real. Our message this morning was on authenticity. That's authentic. That's not pumped in prime worship. That's real worship. When you know what he's done, you know who he's been. Yeah, God, we bless you right in this atmosphere, God. We bless you. We honor you, God. We glorify you, God. 
Yeah, God. It is marvelous in his sight. Well, thank you, God. That was sweet. That was sweet. Uh. This is the authenticity. Authenticity. When we understand not just knowledge of, but knowledge in God. Yeah. Father, we thank you for this fire. Not that you've come to burn us, God, but you come to reproof us, God. Come to purge us, God, that we can be all that you said we would be and can be. Yeah, God. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I love you more than anything. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I worship you and adore you. Just want to tell you.
preacher there's nothing really more encouraging than when you watch the service play out to the word the Lord gave you from praise and worship from intercession to how the spirit begins to move you begin to get encouraged that this word you know you heard because you watch it play out we're continuing today in our mastermind series and we're talking about authenticity Right, we're going we're gonna to keep teaching right around that worship. This is what it really looks like when the believers get in the house. No form, no fact. It's not about performance. It's about his presence. Amen? Now watch this. If we were to all take out our cell phones and our tablets and our devices, right, and we went to our favorite social media app, what do you think we would see? You see your timelines, you see postings, you see people's pictures. You know what you'd really see? Quite literally, we'd see across every platform and every user, individuals in search of, in pursuit of, and in worst cases, ignorant of their authenticity. We see insecurities, shortcomings, inspirations, victories, and the list goes on. I mentioned that to explain that there's a wide spectrum to obtaining and understanding the authentic you. There is a you that God spoke, God envisioned, God predestined, and God foreknew. Now, we could blame Adam, which, you know, we all seem to put a lot of weight on Adam's shoulders, you know. And listen, I said the same thing. I said, Adam's going to have to run me to 30 when we get upstairs because, <laughs> sir, I was not supposed to be working this 9 to 5, and you got me doing a lot of extra overtime. We got to talk, sir. Peter, turn your head because me and Adam got to have a conversation. We're going to have to talk. Because last time I checked, wasn't supposed to be no W2I9s, none of them Johns. But Adam, I got to work the land now. Okay, the land was for us. Anyway, we could blame Adam, Mama, Daddy, them, those, and everyone in between for whatever reason. But somehow, some way, mankind is drifted from who we were always supposed to be. As I was away, I turned, uh, tuned into service, and one of the main words I heard Apostle Howard say that caught my attention was authenticity. You know, for those who have illustrative mind, it took me on a mental trip and made me think, am I being my authentic self? How much of my persona is really me? 
How much of it is my ego? Remember, ego is defined as the personality you create that's not attached to reality. How much of my persona is my ego? And how far am I from who God says I'd be? You know, I got real introspective. You know, it made me think a lot. We are not an accident by God. I'm glad someone understood that. This is not an accident. This wasn't just cells coming together and happened to form the body of man. We are not a byproduct of his boredom or his creativity. God thought out each and every one of us so much so that he gave us each a measure of grace, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. If God took so much time to measure, now wait, y'all understand for those who cook and bake, there's, there's a specific measurement that's going to get that pound cake just right. There's a specific cup versus a heaping cup. There's a specific increment that's going to get me the product that I'm looking for. So if God took that much time, now I don't bake on purpose because I don't like measuring nothing. It takes too much thought. But if God's going to take that much time to measure everything, he must have thought greatly of the product that was going to come after the measurement. If he's going to do all this pouring and filling and fixing and creating, there must be a good reason that he's going to take up all this time. What the Lord showed me this morning was like, he says, my list of responsibilities is longer than the River Nile. I got more stuff to do than you can imagine, but I took my time to create you. I'm holding stars together. I'm putting cosmos in place. But I took my time to put you together. The Bible says knitting you. Anybody, where's, I wish Jenny was here. She could tell you about the crochet and how intricate it really takes to knit things together. The word says he knit you in your mother's womb. He put you together on purpose. In this notion, I want to break down an example in three scriptures that can bring revelation to our need for authenticity. We're going to go first to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. The Spirit of the Lord has had me revolving around the scripture for, I think, the better part of three to four years. And every time I pray or I talk to somebody or, you know, have an instance to talk about Jesus, somehow I still end up on Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And in reading in the King James, it said, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and all over the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him, male and female created them. Watch this, right? The beginning verse says image. Image is defined as a visual and physical representation of something. So right off the bat, we're power-packed. If I'm the visual and physical representation of the creator, I'm already starting off on the winning end of this spectrum. So when Adam is being formed, he's formed in the image. When God put the concept of Adam in his mind, and then I made me Adam, I gave him my physical and my visual representation. So while God was creating the foundation of the earth, he purposely placed a specific creation called man that was supposed to be this representation. This means however God envisioned man, it looks like this. Our basic similarities, no matter nationality or gender, arms, legs, body parts, you know, all these other happy things that science tells us that we are designed of. 
The scripture says in Genesis 2 and 7 that God reached into the dust and formed Adam, then breathed his breath into him. We had to stop right there because something significant is happening. God didn't just give the man life. He breathed his breath into his nostrils. Again, we find this being an intentional uh, uh, action of God. Because I'm the creator, I could have just caused you to live. Remember, he said, water come from the earth, birds do that, that do that. I put my hand in the dust, made his form, took a deep breath from where I'm at, and breathed into where you're at. And I want you to live now. The Bible says he becomes a living creature. The Hebrew word for this breath is called the Ruach HaKadosh. R-U-A-C-H-H-A-K-O-D-E-S-H. The Ruach HaKadosh. It is great, excuse me, it gets deeper than just the breath. When you translate the Hebrew word into the English, as the Bible has, Ruach is defined as wind from Numbers 11.31 and Exodus 10.13. But it's also defined as spirit in Judges 6.34, 1 Samuel 16.14, and 1 Kings 18.12. And then again, it's described as breath in Job 12 and 10. God put all this on the inside of Adam pre-fall. Look how intentional God is about what he creates. He covers all bases. He thinks about all scenarios and provides all things. Again, I told you because he's the creator, my word makes. Think about when the Bible says in Genesis, he spoke and there was. I commanded lights like were. I said firmament and it was. He didn't have to take this much intention to make man. If I can tell lights to manifest and lights manifest, why go through all this effort to make sure every detail of this creature is made a certain way? The second part said likeness, which is defined as the resemblance or being alike. Although these words are synonymous, we cannot overlook the use of both of them. Again, why would God use both words if they mean the same thing? While image depicts the physical and visual, likeness deals with being akin or likened to something. If we said nothing else, deliverance should start right here in all of my mess that I've become. And what has gotten me thus far, my framework is that of the mind of God. And my likeness is akin to the Almighty. So my, my blueprint is after God. And my like, the other part is akin to his power. See, I, I guess I'm the only one that got excited about that part because I, I remember when. You know how the scripture says, when I think on the goodness of Jesus. When I See, it's nice to think about the goodness of Jesus, but then my mind starts going to think about how the devil tried me. It, it makes me think about how you thought you was going to get away with something. You was going to take me out in my mother's womb. You was going to make sure I didn't get to the church house. You was going to make sure I ended up in the wilderness. You were going to try me for this anointing. You was even going to pull on my pride to get me out of the church. Then I can think on the goodness of Jesus. It, you know why? You know, and again, I love God's mathematics. He allows us to see the warfare so that we can measure his greatness. It gives us a barometer to measure his aptitude, his almighty nature. He allows us to see certain things. Why do you think, I, I, I always end up on the illustration when Peter walked off the boat. Jesus could have told the storm to be quiet. He wanted Peter to be in the midst of that storm so that I, you can measure how great I really am. Yeah, you asked if it's me walking across the water, but if the storm is still going while you're walking, you can measure how great I am. 
You're going to measure who it is that's calling you, and it should inspire you, which it did. He got off the boat and was able to walk until he forgot what he was measuring, and then he began to sink. But that's, a, that's another revelation for another day. The continual exposure to negativity and no display of the beautiful hope we have in Christ Jesus, the minds of mankind have been rewired to accept, expect, embrace, and express less than. If I accept less, it won't hurt as much when you disappoint me. If I accept less, I can't be disappointed when it doesn't work out. Rather than seeing the glass half full, we've lost ourselves and seen the rest of the glass is empty. I'm glad somebody else caught that. Because where God gives us the ability to see the glass half full, somehow we find ourselves captivated by the rest of the glass. Instead of appreciating the abundance that we're already sitting in, somehow I found myself looking at the empty part of the glass, the dry part that didn't get any water and doesn't have any condensation on it. Man, that, that's, that's kind of cool. All this water behind me, but it's all dry and stuff. Look at that. And then we get stuck there. Then our minds get rewired to only perceive the dry part of the glass. I, why wouldn't we bask in the ambiance of the fullness, the depth of what God gave us, and somehow captivated by what's not there? Want to hear something crazy? Our greatest fear isn't that we aren't enough. Quite literally, our greatest fear is that we're more, there's more to us than what is seen. There's more to us than is what is undiscovered. But the scary part is, you might have to find this out on your own. The scary part is, you might have to go past the norm, past the threshold, and find out what makes me so great. Why am I work why did God take all this time on me? It might require you to do some introspective thought. We see this transition from understanding our lack to our abundance in today's job force. People are understanding and believing greater now than ever before. We are not defined by what we produce and what our occupation really is. I know in my field, there's job, I get my, my Indeed and my, what do you call it, LinkedIn go off every other six minutes with job opportunities because there's vacancies. People are realizing I don't have to be at this job to give me some kind of value. I don't have to be at this job to make me feel like I've done enough to be considered a person. There's more to us in this nine to five rut. We have endless pools of untapped and unmeasured potential. Remember, image and likeness. Prophetically speaking, the condition of today's job market speaks to the revelation of self-worth. You know there's generations that found it acceptable to work for 60 to 70 years and only enjoy 10 to 30 years of retirement? They thought that that was the cream of the crop. That's a great idea. I'm gonna break my back for 70 years and take the next 15 to chill. I'm, last time I checked, the Bible said that I come to give you life and that more abundantly. That don't sound like abundance. That sounds like I gave up the majority of my time making somebody else rich. It, I'm glad somebody else called me. Because that sounds like I spent a bunch of my time doing somebody else's job. But if we understood and were able to grasp the authenticity of what God put on the inside of us, we wouldn't be so willing to accept me doing somebody else's job. I believe as Minister Chevelle said it, I like staying in my own lane because there's less traffic. Oh yeah, somebody gonna get that in the parking lot. I'd rather do the job that God called me to do than out of 
the lack of authenticity be doing something else that's pulling me from my purpose. It really doesn't make any sense how we treat ourselves, and it stems from our lack of understanding. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1 and 7. I know we got a bunch of preachers and teachers in the house, so I know we can quote this scripture off the back of our hands, but we're going to take our time to break it down. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a soundness of mind. And our makeup, we're not given the spirit of fear. Yes, God gives us safeguards that show us where we're not supposed to go, you know, provides us caution signals, but he did not give us a spirit of fear. Remember, what does it say? Power, love, and a soundness of mind. Somehow this fear has become crippling, even to the point of being debilitated. I'm so scared of me, I don't want to try anything new. I'm so scared of me that I'd rather be comfortable than prosperous. Think about when the, the, the Israelites are on their exodus and they're leaving Egypt. I'd rather be consistent and comfortable in Pharaoh's house than trust God and walk a little longer. It's a mindset that we have not got delivered from, from the desert. We're still thinking about Pharaoh's house. We find it acceptable to be in Pharaoh's house when Pharaoh measures and gives us a little bit. Didn't the scripture say that they had so much manna that they had to bag it up and put it other places? And God's so good, he said, don't have no leftovers because tomorrow I'm going to give you more. Oh, anybody catch that? I don't need leftovers because when I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be some more, and it's going to be fresh and fresh. This is how God moves, right? So while they're still captivated in their mind for that comfortable place, I'd rather be uncomfortable with fresh than comfortable and stay still. I'd rather, be, I'd rather stay. See, you're going to ask the prophet, say again, you know I can't repeat sentences twice. <laughs> I'd rather be uncomfortable with fresh than stay comfortable in the place that I'm in. Because honestly, I like surprises. It's exciting when God gives you gifts. It's exciting when God shows up unexpectedly and just does stuff because it's a part of his plan. I'd rather be in a part of his plan than every day, three hots in a cot. Every day, I'm gonna get the same meal, the same uh, reaction, the same pace stub, the same aggravation on my job, the same issues with these people. I'd rather, hey God, shake the dice and show me something new. Let's have fun. Oh, y'all don't got that kind of relationship yet? God do, I love when I pray because when I pray, I figure, God, I'm gonna try to be as specific as possible. And then in the back of my spirit, man, I hear a little chuckle. <laughs> that sounded good. It sounded nice. It still came out vague though because what I wanna do for you, you may not have the language for, but because you're submitting yourself in this place of obedience, watch me outdo what you asked for. Watch me do more than what you asked for. That's the best part. All you really ask is for us to, you know, be obedient, be submissive, and then he does way more than you invested. It's the best part, right? So we're given power, love, and a soundness of mind. Whose power were we given? We just said that likeness means resemblance or akin to. Locked in this flesh is the power of God. Don't believe me? Let's go to Ephesians 3.20. The Bible says, now unto him who is able to do the exceedingly abundantly above all that you may ask or think. Ready? According to what, though? Where's the power at? 
Reverend, say it again. So lock in me. He's going to do exceedingly and abundantly above what I may ask or think according to the power that he's already invested. So to mean he's going to pull on the investment that he already has locked up inside of me. Man. Listen. He put something in there that I'll be able to use in seasons later. He made an investment. See, I'm, I'm working in the banking field now, and there's a difference between a savings account and a CD. There's a difference between a CD and a money market. See, in a CD, you got to put an investment in, and you got to wait the term. Somebody catch that. In a money market, you put it in, and you can play with it a little bit. I don't want a money market, Lord. I want a CD. I want that seed that's going to be in the ground, and when I forgot about it, I can go back for it because I waited the term. I've waited the time. I've suffered a little while. I've moved a little bit longer. I've endured something because now that seed has come back around for harvest time, and I wasn't even thinking about it about it. I'm in my checking account spinning up everything my debit can touch. I forgot that the CD had money in it. I forgot my Christmas account was holding something so that when it comes back around, there's a couple commas in my dividends. When we put seeds in the ground, we have to remember there's temporary seeds and then there's perennials. There's season to come back on their own every season, every annual move. That same seed I planted once is going to spin back around and give me what I was looking for. According to the power that worketh within us. Mm. The next two parts are equally as important. Once we realize the power we have, we then unlock our power to love. Oh, we only got a few lovebirds. My wife would tell you, I'm, I'm one of them old school, one of them old school uh, 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 love and happiness. I'm one of them old school, I love love. That's my thing. You know what I'm saying? Mama raised me on Motown. I love love. Brits and all. I love love. So when you think about it, the power that he worked on the inside of me then un unveils or unlocks my ability to love you. The Bible tells me that what? Loving God and loving my neighbor are the greatest commandment given. So much so, watch this prophet Lisa, so, because I didn't even see this part until I read it this morning. He said the commandment is so great to love that the word of the prophet is hung upon it. That the foundation of what we say as prophets is hung up on love. That commandment is so sturdy that it's hung up. Oh, we didn't just finish prophetic summer school. We didn't just finish teaching about the prophetics and prophets, right? Okay. The commandment to love him and y'all is so great that the word of the prophet is hung up upon it. Mm. Oh, wait, and, and said more. Not just the word of the prophet, but the law that I put in the book is hung up on your ability to love me and love your neighbor. So now that I've realized I've got a little power, because power alludes to significance, and when significance alludes to the fact that God did something special here. My daddy used to call me and say, son, what's our name? I said, daddy, our name is Mike Rose. And another one like you and bang on me. I didn't understand what that meant. Why you keep calling me so I can remember my name? My daddy was prophesying. There ain't another one like me. God did it special. God did it unique. He made sure that he made something that nobody else could make. This is his glory center. Michelangelo couldn't do this. Donatello couldn't put it together. Monet couldn't paint this. Tara, you blessed, but this is made by the master's hands. Okay, somebody else got that. 
because God blessed Tara's hands, but ain't nothing like God's paintbrush. Jeremiah said that he's the potter and I'm the clay. I love being a part of the master's mind. Mm. Yeah. The harmonious agreement created by the love that's produced in us from God, excuse me, for God and for our neighbor then leads us to the soundness of our mind. That's how we understand the mastermind. God is not going to reveal his wisdom and his intellect to you until you've learned how to love me. That could be a whole series on how to treat people in relationship. Stop giving your pearls to swine just because they made you feel good. God isn't worried about you tantalizing my flesh. When you love me, not how you want to love me, but how my love language dictates. When you love me, you can have everything in my house. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to look at my wife. My wife's over there. I'm going to look this way. Because when you, when, you, when you love me right, baby, the wallet on the table, the pen number. Oh, y'all yeah, thought I was going to tell you my pen number. Back up. Uh, you're going to tell you my pen number. But when you love right, what am I going to hold from you? Now, I'm going to talk to the husbands in the room because, you know, we're a little different. Because if we know we're coming home to peace and joy and happiness, and I don't necessarily, I, I'm going to cook at my house. I don't need you to make me no plate. But if you're going to... Uh, you're going to rub my back the right way. You're going to scratch my scalp. What you, what you, what you want, baby? You want a new bag? You, you want a couple flowers? Matter of fact, how about we just mess up a whole bag? Here, take the money. You know the revelation the Lord gave me? Why was Samson, or excuse me, why was Delilah able to get Samson? It wasn't that she was so mystical and supernatural. Delilah gave Samson a safe place to put his head. Wives. <clears throat> Delilah, Delilah provided Samson a safe place to put his head. All day long, I've been fighting lions and people and these other women in these situations. I stopped being Superman when you gave me a place to lay my head. Mm, all right, well, somebody will get that. Because it, it definitely, it hit me a little different. When the love of God is unlocked in you, right? He has no problem giving you the access to my libraries. Because you love me, and because you love me, you're going to respect me. Because you respect me, you're going to trust me. And that trust is going to make a trust between us. Listen, Brother Booker needed something out of my car this morning. That's my man's. I love my brother. I don't need to go out to my car. Take my keys, bro. Go in the car and get what you're going to get. I know I got other valuable stuff in there and stuff that may, you know, get touched a little bit. I don't have that concern. Take these keys, go get what you need. When that love for God is unlocked, you get the soundness of mind. Because the power made me love God, the love gave me access to, okay, you heard that, hashtag access. So when we get to that part, the soundness of mind helps us understand the master's mind. We've often heard people say things like, I don't like people and I do better by myself. This is a ding to your authentic self. We are designed for fellowship. We are designed for love. Uh, uh, Dr. Bolin, you, you help me because isn't oxytocin a part of the mind? It isn't connectivity with the right one. Release a bunch of dopamine. Dopamine, bae. Dopamine. We are designed for love, communion, and fellowship. Hardships in life, disappointments in relationships, and other issues, especially unsatisfied expectations, have created an anomaly or an alternative version of who you were supposed to be in God. The scripture is outlined on purpose to show us the purposeful intent behind our design. Fear, an ignorance of our power, an ignorance to the importance of love, and a lack of a consistent mind tries to cripple us on a regular day basis. 
find our way into Psalms 138 and 8. If the prophets know, when we be on the line, this is my go-to scripture every time we pray. I love this scripture with my whole heart. With the understanding of the depth of our authenticity, what happens then when life leads us down the wrong path? We laid it out earlier. Life circumstances unfortunately have the ability to deter us from who God designed us to be. Want to proof text it? Proverbs 13, 12. It tells us that the hope deferred makes our hearts sick. And I'm not talking about the thumping organ that is in your chest. The center of you becomes cancerous when your hope is deferred. When you don't check that hope, you don't check that expectation, what I've been looking for causes a cancer cell in my center. And it goes to corrupt everything else. Now that's where we get that glass half empty mindset. Because I didn't check what happened. I didn't check when daddy didn't come home. I didn't check when they didn't answer the phone. I didn't check when they didn't pull up for me. And now this thing is cultivating. I'm looking at everybody the same way now. I have trust issues now. I got issues with how I love and treat people because that one person let me down and I didn't check it. Key word, I didn't say check them. I said check it. The Bible says the arms of flesh will always fail you. I'm not checking you for disappointing me. I'm checking me for how I deal with disappointment. Who am I to hold you to some level of excellence when God said that you will continually fall short of the glory of me? I'm not about to hold nobody to no standard of excellence. Yeah, I can hold my colleagues and everybody accountable to what we said we would do, but that's not a, a, a consistent place of demanding excellence from people. We're finite. We're, we're fickle people. It's not about me checking them. It's about me checking how I deal with disappointment. How am I in my emotional intelligence? Am I self-aware? Am I self-regulating? Am I motivated? Am I empathetic? What's my social skill like? Am I checking myself for how I'm enduring and taking in disappointment? Or am I letting disappointment have its way with me? I'm going to shun you now because you didn't show up. I gave you an invitation and you didn't take it. I called you in my hour of need, you didn't answer, and now I'm gonna act funny. You know that's more of an issue with you than anybody else? My auntie used to tell me when you point your finger at somebody, three of them are pointing right back at you. If you do your math, three-fifths is bigger than one-fifth. So now I'm pushing and I'm casting blame somewhere else, never dealing with me. That person is not thinking about me past a glimpse of their eye, and I'm sitting there trying to hold them accountable to something I don't have the gall to talk to them about. I'm mad at you, but I'm going to keep it in my mind. I'm mad, but I'm going to hold it all. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm disappointed. My feelings are twisted up in a bunch, but I'm only mad inside my mind. Because when you walk past me, I'm going to smile at you. I'm going to high-five you. He come shy you. Should have bought a Honda. Ramen noodles and seasoning Jesus. I'm going to do all that when I see you. But in my mind, I have an issue. Why do you think that that scripture talks like that? When my hope is deferred, when I have not aligned my hope with practicality and reality, now this cancer cell is moving around in my psyche, in my emotions. Watch this. It even gets in my money. It gets in my way. It's a saboteur of my destiny. What's the last part of Proverbs 13 and 12? But a dream fulfilled becomes a tree of life. Now, I know, you know, we got some linguistic people in here. We're not talking about a dream that we had in our sleep. 
when my hope becomes fulfilled, it becomes a tree of life. Why? Because if I ask Bonner for $5, and Bonner give me $5, man, I got $5. Boy, I got $5. I'm excited. If I ask you to pull up for me and you was already at the house, oh, man, that, that's, now I got friends like that that know me enough. I don't have to ask. You were there before I got there. You know who friend of that is called? Jesus. I don't always have to ask Jesus to do nothing. But when I get to a point where I'm on my knees and I'm reaching for the hem of his garment, I begin to understand you were already there and you were waiting for me to arrive. That level of consistency in relationship becomes a tree of life because the one thing I can hope on, the one thing I'm sure about is that man named Jesus. When I get really excited about the blessings in my life, I told my sister I was driving away from my new job and there's never been a job in my life that I've pulled out of the parking lot and worship happened in the front seat. Cause God, I endured some crazy stuff in this occupation of mine and I finally got to a place. They said, Mike, we're so happy to see you. Now here's all these incentives. Oh wait, no, you can make money this way, that way, these ways will put you through school. Hey, you wanna do this too? I didn't even make it to the branch yet. That was in training. Oh, okay. Okay. Because isn't he a rewarder to them? Oh, okay. Because last time I checked, that's what the words say, right? When you've been spending your time seeking him, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, not waiting to satisfy my own ways. I don't want you to apologize to make me feel better. Let that be between you and the Holy Spirit. I want to get to a place where I'm satisfied pursuing God. In my pursuit of God, I learn how to love him. And that love gives me power. It gives me understanding. I become a little more empathetic when I realize God did with my mess 24-7, 365, 66 on a leap year. God's still dealing with my foolishness. So how am I going to look at you any other kind of way? Thank you. So we get to the scripture, Psalms 138 and 8. It says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Oh, I had an excited and expecting people. That was it right there. Who? Not me. Because last time I checked, sometimes sometimes it works. You know, sometimes I can you know, put the TV stand together the right way, and it'll, it'll hold up. And sometimes I don't read the instructions, and I look at the picture, and I try to make, oh, the men ain't going to help me? Because I know y'all don't be reading the directions when they come in the box. Thank you. We look at the picture, and we try to make it work. And so long as it look right, I'm, you better be looking at me because me and you didn't play with enough tools to know we're going to make it look the way it's supposed to look. And if it don't blow up and we don't die, success. We've lived. It says, not me, but the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. I'm going to wait on that last sentence. Even in this psalm, the author exposes a lack of understanding of authenticity. If he were wired to know that God is close to his creation, he wouldn't leave me nor forsake me, as the word said. The hardship in this moment produced is a cry of desperation. The last sentence says, don't abandon me, for you made me. So the first part was glorifying God because you're going to work out the plans. The second part is an exposure of my lack of grasp on authenticity. Because if I knew God for what I'm praising God for, I wouldn't have to ask you about don't abandoning me. If I knew God for what I praise God for, I wouldn't have to worry about you leaving me behind. As I was preparing my notes, I, I began to think about how I felt as a kid. When my daddy would leave out the house and I would have the same cry, why are you leaving me here? 
you just got back after a three-week binge. Why are you leaving me? You made me. Don't leave me behind. You know that we have that same consistent mind when people disappoint us? That in our little man, in our in a little part of our heart, we're having the same conversation. Why you do me like that? You ain't have to do me like that. You ain't have to treat me like that. I was I was here being consistent. Why are you playing with me? But we put our faith in the wrong cistern. We put our faith in the wrong plot of land, and then we wonder why man can't meet the measure that we put out. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God. I need to put that same investment in my love of God. Because the last time I checked, and I've gone over the track record of the last 32 years, you have not failed me yet. You have not dropped the ball. You ain't fumbled the bag. You ain't closed the door I needed. You were showing up and being consistent. But I'm having this cry like the author in Psalms, don't abandon me, you made me. See, this is where we must learn to trust God even with the pieces that hurt us. Oh, it's got real scary in here. It got real spooky in here for a second. I need to trust God with the pieces that hurt me. It's a common failsafe that we will harbor and protect our hurts in an effort to not lose faith, excuse me, lose face, to not look weak or defeated. So I'll keep my hurts a secret. You know how they used to say, what happened in the house stays in the house. That was so that you didn't look bad outside the house. I don't care about what I look like outside the house. As long as I look like I'm being delivered. As long as I look like God is working it out, I'll take that. But we've got this mindset that I need to hide my shame. I need to hide my hurt so it doesn't look like I'm going through nothing. Last time I checked, Apostle Paul admonished us to be a living epistle of all men to read. The Bible tells us in Revelations that we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. The first part is already secured. Why are you hiding your testimony? Why are you hiding them hard seasons? Didn't he say, we fall down, but we get up again? The same people that were present when I fell down need to be present when I was getting up. Why do you think the scripture talks about I make a, a table, a spread for you in the midst of thine enemies? It's not so that God can gloat. You watch me go down, now watch me go up. You was there poking and prodding and laughing and talking about me. You was posting about me when I was going through my season. Now sit here and take audience to what God is about to do. Take audience to what God is about to deliver. Take audience to the healing that you thought I wasn't going to get. You thought that money that you owed me was going to hurt my feelings. No, it's not. Money is chump change when God owns everything. He said, everything, everything, everything. He said, I own everything. So while you was watching me go through that hard time, God makes it so you have to watch me get back up. You know why he does that? Image and likeness. Because you look like me and because I put me on you, I don't lose so you don't lose. It's a reciprocating factor of being in a relationship with God. Because I am who I say I am, you must be what I say you are too. I don't lose, you don't lose. You see how rough that clap was and how, how forced that clap was? That's because our minds don't get believed that we're victorious. We see the season for what it is and not what it could be. There's an opportunity in the midst of every problem if you so choose to look at it that way. If Peter would have looked at the seas like an opportunity versus a problem, oh ye of little faith. 
gotta pick you up a ding dong, like I gotta, gotta drag you up again. If Peter would have took the moment to look at it as an opportunity rather than a problem, we would have told that story a little differently. We gotta get to a place where we trust God to be my authentic self. The Bible says, should we continue to sin that grace should abound, heaven forbid. That's not the truth I'm talking about. It's not making concession for you to be your uh, lowest form. It's concession to be a person. I love that Apostle Howard taught on, we always talk about crucifying this flesh and getting rid of our flesh. You know, you can't exist here without flesh. So you talking about, I'm a, so you just going to crucify yourself and just be gone, Enoch. So you're going to pull an Elijah and just not be here because you want to sound deep and crucify your flesh. No, I want to live in front of God because what you can do with this, I've seen. When the situations of life try to get you like Job, that you would curse God and die. You know why Job was such a great man? Because my boy lost everything that was attached to his pride. My cattle, my land, my kids, my wives. My boys is telling me I ought to curse God and die. The tenacity of a man like that. That's what I want in my relationship with God. That I don't care if you took everything today, God. I love you anyway. Oh, see, that's, see, that's a scary space. Y'all ain't got a courtesy clap for me. That's a scary space. Because not everybody wants to believe God in that space. It's easy to believe God in a season of abundance. It's hard to believe God in a season of lack. It's real hard. I'm reminded about the scripture where the lady and her son had her last cake and they was going to eat it and die. And then the prophet came in and said, no, give me your last cake. It was an exercise of truth. It was an exercise of trust and authenticity. They had to, is this the man of God? Because last time I checked, me and my baby only got this last cake. We, 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 Elder Joe, we were settled up. We was finna, you know, take a little knife and fork to it and be, you know, be up out of here. Man of God says, no, nah, don't, don't eat that last cake. Give it to me. And it wasn't that the man of God needed the cake. I want to see what you was going to do in your season of lack so that I can usher you into your season of abundance. But see, how you behave when you don't have nothing dictates how you behave when you do get something. I heard some, I was watching an interview and they were talking about money don't change people. Money just show you who you really were. Oh, it got quiet again. Because they always say new money change folk. It don't change nobody. It just shows you what you was hiding while you was broke. It was showing what you was hiding while you didn't have an abundance. But if you know how to behave in the pit and in Potiphar's house, if you know how to behave in storms and in quietness, Apostle Paul said this, right? He said, I figured out the secret of life. Whether I have or I have not, I am not happy. He said, I'm content. You know what contentment looks like? No matter what season, hell or high water, no matter what you want to do today, God, my chest is poked out and my feet are facing forward. I trust you then, I trust you here, and I trust you now. Why? Because my authentic self is being exposed. And in my authenticity, I got more power in my pinky than the devil has in his kingdom. I can do more with the thoughts of my mind than he can do with the demons in hell. I've got more working for me than there are against me. We say these scriptures so candidly because they sound good when you say them over the microphone. Do you believe it? That scripture says that the young man went to Elisha and was so dismayed because the city was being overtaken by an army and he's looking at the man of God like, why are you not tripping? Elisha had to face Cam has. I'm chilling. I am consistent and I believe everything you're talking about. And he said, you know what? Watch this, I'm gonna help you. God, I pray that he can see how I see. Just see how I see. 
this man's mind was blown because when he looked around, he was like, oh, shoot. Where did all these angels come from? He then says there are more for us than there are against us. What he was doing was prophesying not just to his season, but to his mind. If you begin to perceive there's more to your benefit than there is against you, you won't have these problems. You won't be tried in your authenticity because God is consistent. Lamentations 3 and 23 says, great is thy faithfulness towards us. Ain't nothing like having a faithful partner. For those who in love, love, 29, 34, 35 years, having that real partner, I can't stand you, but it's me and you versus them. It's always us and never them. I love that. That's what God is doing. I told you in the beginning that God said there's an assignment for deliverance for this house. Not that we're going through some dramatic and, and dramatic warfare. When I deliver you from this, you'll trust me the more. When I show myself to be faithful, our relationship grows in proximity. I want to get out of the courting stages with God, and I want to get to where I get to post you on Facebook. I get to tell, you, tell my mama about you. I get to tell my boys I'm in a relationship. I don't want to keep being in that courtship where I'm a part-time Christian and a full-time sinner. I want to be in a place where everything I say got God in it. Not because I'm trying to force people to, to believe my Hekel Mashiach. I want you to believe it because it's on me. That Kabbalah is resting. My continence is different. The thing that got the people at the bottom of Mount Sinai wasn't that Moses was mad. It's that I look different. It wasn't that Moses was upset that you made a calf. When I came back out of his presence, I looked different than when I went back in. It says in the scripture that when he got to the bottom, he was so dismayed, he destroyed the tablets. He's like, you know, do you know what I had to do to climb up here and then to climb back down carrying these rocks? I'm going back to the top. The experience that Moses had at the top of Mount Sinai changed the generation. It changed the legacy because when I came back down, I didn't look like what you expected. My trust in God increased the proximity in our relationship. And that relationship is now going to produce my authenticity. Exodus chapter 4, I believe around the 14th verse, Moses is complaining why I can't go do what God said I can do. God, I got a stutter. I don't want to be in front of these people. Then his, his brother coming down the road, he's like, hey, God sent Aaron. God, again, in the little spirit man, <laughs> sounded good. He said, oh, when we sent Aaron, Moses thought he was off the hook. He said, nope, uh, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be a prophet to Aaron. Y'all both going to speak now. Go. God wants the authentic you out and exposed. You are a gift to the world. The Bible says the salt of the earth. You are a gift, and we're not going to experience that gift when it's wrapped in the wrong packaging. Come on, we're standing. I know that was, that was a lot to take in because God is doing this. He's alleviating our minds. He's opening up our ability to perceive who we are. Not our seasons, not our circumstances, but who we actually are. Come on, we thank God for his provision. The scripture verse says that we just read that God works out the plans for our lives. So not only is he the author of the plans, he protects the plans. He also works these plans out. As we pursue our authenticity, let us remember who started this conversation. God desires that we be powerful, more than conquerors, royal, holy, and a bunch of other descriptive titles. 
His mind is fixed on drawing us closer to the understanding we are not what the world describes, but we are the answers, the power, the change agents that he has provided for the lost. Come on, let's lift our hands. We're going to pray. Because it's high time for us to get out of that pseudo mindset. It's high time for us to release and get delivered from our egos so that we can start living in the truth of who God says that we are. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you this morning, God, that as we were sitting here and you were doing the intricate surgeries to remove these things from our mind, God, that, Father, our days are not going to be the same going forward. Our days are not going to be like this always. But as you develop us and have us to understand in our maturity who it is that you called us to be, we're going to start seeing doors open. We're going to start seeing ways being made. Our language is going to change. Our money is going to change. Where you put our feet is going to change because we've gotten to this place of trust. Now, Father, we pray for exposure. We pray that you would expose the authentic us. Show us where we've been operating in this pseudo mindset. Show us where we've been operating in our ego, God. And then give us, God, give us the blueprint. Jeremiah said, you are the potter and we are the clay. Father, we, we so bold in our faith in you that we ask that you put the clay back on the wheel. Begin to move the broken pieces, the cracks and the crevices and the things that didn't go right, God, and smooth us back out. Father, we thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm glad y'all was able to clap. You know the work comes now, right? You know we got to work this thing out now, right? You know we got to work this part out, right? Now listen, as we are accustomed in our house, we put a, a seed behind the word because we're believing for what the word is going to go do in our lives. Let's just not make it a, a, a exercise of giving, but prophesy to your seed. How did David say, this is the day? So as you're coming, make sure to prophesy to your seed that I'm going to see new, be new, and believe in new. Amen? You can come. And for those who are looking to be assisted in prayer, and those who are looking to be assisted in exposing the authenticity, the altar is going to be opened for those who need somebody to join in with you, do you need a little encouragement, a little help in understanding, the altar is going to be open. Amen? Come as you will. You don't have to wait for anybody. You can come as you will. for someone to touch and agree with your season of authenticity. The altar is open and the worder is still stirred up for you. Come on, don't waste your, don't waste your opportunity. There's more on the other side of this. There's more on the other side of this season. Amen? All hearts and minds clear. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for the opportunity to be in the midst of you. We pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we will continue to be obedient and find ourselves in submission, that you can deliver us from ourselves. We thank you now. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You all are dismissed. Go in peace. God bless you.